You're listening to a Destiny Park Media Podcast. Shut the door, have a seat. It's time for another round of Dad Men. Yes, we are deep into season two, and um, I'm really... This, uh, this show, man, Mad Men, I remember back uh, earlier in season one, we were kind of conversating about how we're waiting for Mad Men to really pick up and get into its full stride and become a full out, you know, the Mad Men show that we love. And um, I think the listeners, as you guys have been watching with us, we're really, really deep in it now. I I, I really feel that way. So it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's exciting times. I mean, how, do, how do you feel about uh, Mad Men as, we, as we've gone through thus far? Yeah, we're more than halfway through. Um, and I'm Michael Rowland. Um, and I'm Mike Jolly. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, I did want to stop and check in how the season's going. I would say that the insane highs we've hit so far have been dizzying. Uh, I love yeah. the first two eps and, um, you know, a few eps here and there. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think that the show, like you said, is in, if not full force, uh, it's operating on, all, it's firing on all cylinders, I'll say. Yeah, for sure. Because sure. I think firing on all cylinders is different than full fucking force. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Full fucking force is like insanely strong and like the the zenith, you know. Yeah, it's 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 like um, examples of episodes of that were our favorites like uh, 5G and... Um uh flight one and like even though these things were in season one we were seeing sparks of that full force that Mad Men was bringing on yeah. those those type of episodes you know nixon versus kennedy and things of that nature so we're here man we're definitely here yeah and and the overall median of quality has gone up so high in season two it's just it's just crazy it's wild to see it's it's really wild to see especially for such a young show you know being yeah. the second season and all the so. confidence from season two episode one for those who think young the confidence that they came out with was like <laughs> all right we figured everything out dad you know the, <laughs> it's so cocky. we'll take it from here <laughs> yeah it's so great though man my issue with season two is not enough pete oh you're right yeah you're right you're right it is a little lax on pete he has sort of faded into the background, and in this week's episode, he is barely an entity in it. He, they just—he <laughs> has a few scenes where they remind us he exists, but he's doing nothing really of importance. That's true. A- and your other favorite, uh, Sterling, is very quiet this season as well. Ah, you're right. Accounts. You know, it's not a heavy account season. Duck. Mm. Duck has taken up space <laughs> in the accounting writers' table. You know. Yeah, he definitely mm. is. Yeah, Duck is definitely in that. He's filling some roles that he that, that I don't know if he knew he was filling, but he's definitely there. Perhaps it was intentional by the showrunner. Perhaps. Perhaps. We'll have perhaps to figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, man, um, we can obviously get into the ep, but um, anything uh, anything intriguing this week for you? Intriguing. Hmm. Let's see. Tickling. Well. Humorous. Let's see. Tickling, humorous. I, you know, I, I feel like I asked that in in juxtaposition of how my week is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Which has not been uh not been the smoothest. Uh sleep has been a a challenge for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. That's what I hear. And um yeah, so uh 
but we got to keep trudging forward because even through like the difficulties of bedtime and for the listeners, I'm talking about um, my daughter, we've transitioned her from crib bed to toddler bed, meaning that she has like, um, she's able to get out of the bed, like on her own. Yep. And um, so with that, I've had to like, we're all learning on the fly really. So it's like me trying to figure out how to properly set up the room. So like she stays in and safe um also understanding the rules of nighttime bedtime you know these whole things all all these um you know these different stipulations when you're kind of training somebody yeah uh to sleep a new way and um yeah it's it's a it's been a it's been a it's been quite a bit and then because of that the sleep is a little bit off and things of that nature and you know lack of uh lack of like kind of like free time at the at night and stuff like that so so it's been interesting, but um, we're, we're I think we're making progress slowly, but surely we figured out some new tricks and 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 things to do to make the bedtime um, easier. So we're just starting to implement that. And mm. it's just funny because um, she's really growing like out of her, quote unquote, toddler phase into this kid space. Like she doesn't want to really drink milk anymore for bed. Mm. Um, she's trying to transition over to like, juice but we're kind of trying to keep it to like water and um you know or a little bit of milk other things like that and potty's like a hundred percent done now like oh sweet number one yeah number one and number two without asking like she'll just do it that's great um yeah so all it's, it's a lot of new stuff and because of those new things there's a lot of like um friction because of learning new and like feeling uncomfortable about certain things while mastering other things. And, you know, that's kind of how kids go. Like once they get past that phase where everything's a little bit more comfortable and they're more used to it, everything kind of stabilizes. But right now we're kind of in the throes of it (laughs) as we speak. So, well, I, I hope that someday you and I can laugh about uh, how things used to be with this. this Oh yeah. It should be you and Al as opposed to you and I. I shouldn't be involved. I mean, in we that. we will too. We okay. will too. Because <laughs> you know, the thing about parenthood is like you like to also, sh- you know, I don't know if it's conscious or not, but I like to share those or talk about those things too with other people, just because I think it's interesting to have a different ear listening to the conversation. Sure. Because you know, me and my wife are like already like in it, so it's, there's not much conversation about like what's directly going on or what we've already done because we we already know we're doing it, but. To somebody else who's may not may not be aware, it's it's interesting kind of to hear like the ebb and flows yeah. um, of, of the whole situation and talk so, about the good yeah. and the and the uh, less fun parts of being a parent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because so. from what I've heard, it's not all fun. Uh. No, yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's 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 definitely it's definitely work and a lot of patience. Yeah, but um, I don't know, man. The kids are—they're just so there's 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 they're um they're sweet, man. It's amongst the friction and things of that nature. It's they're still they're still your baby. You know what I mean? They they still nothing really changes that. It's kind of more like a day to day working on because you're really crafting a child kind of to have the right you know manners and 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 how to conversate and how to use words and. You know, you're teaching them the ways of the world almost in a way. Yeah. So, you know, with that, it's going to be a lot of um, trial and error. So, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I look at it. Nice. Well, I yeah. did think of some stuff. Um, yeah. I uh, 
had a really rough week at work for I'd say the first three days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. for those who yeah. aren't aware. Um, <laughs> that's such a shitty joke. Then um, <laughs> uh, someone says, actually, Sunday's the first day of the week. And I said, the, yeah. not the work week for me, you <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, you um, piece of shit. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, and I just realized I was getting so, like, I was taking everything so fucking seriously, like, life or death, where it's like, I get an email, I immediately click on it, I immediately see it as, like, the worst, in the worst faith possible, I mm. immediately fix the thing, or interrupt myself from doing something else, uh, mm-hmm. even just logging in for the day and seeing that there's emails that I have to address, I go, oh, damn it, right. you know, and yeah. Then, and what I had to remember, and I reminded myself on Thursday, was like, in the scheme of the universe, in the scheme yep. of like the stuff that really matters in life, friends, family, safe, yep. you know, keeping everyone safe in your pack, your family pack, like mm-hmm. um, music, movies, whatever, the stuff that really matters, my, yeah. my actual job, like it's very, very infinitesimally small in terms of like what really matters to me. And truth. So truth, I, I truth. and it's not like I don't try at work. I I work hard. I'm a good employee. But yeah, sounds like you are. Yeah. Well, that's my brand that I've created here. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but on a good front. <clears throat> yes. But but honestly, dude, it helped so much. And I was just like, if my posture was like leaning back, like chill, uh, cool wrist on the on the mouse, and just like yeah. let's see what let's see what else is going on here. Okay, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, just like. Super chill and saying yeah, like yeah, more relaxed about it. And also, I this is a big problem of mine. I know that there's been a dad man I've talked about where I've talked about this on where prioritizing stuff like time management, um, thinking okay. about everything I have to do at once instead of oh right instead right. of mm-hmm. taking it one thing at a time. Like it's a, thinking about everything you have to do that you can possibly conjure up. It just leads to burnout. It leads to such frustration. Yeah. And you're like, why does everyone else have time to relax? Why does everyone else, you know, and it's like everyone else has stuff to do too. You're just obsessing over everything. You're, you're not giving yeah. yourself space and grace. So, yes, space and grace. That's a great, that's a great one, man. Yeah. Space and grace. I like that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you on that too. Cause I, I, um, I have bouts of that as well, just because of all, you know, things mount as far as like, yeah things on your radar and a lot of times man i'll just um i don't know if it works i mean i i just do it i i'll write the stuff down that i have in mind to do because mm-hmm. sometimes if it stays stuck in my head like it becomes like it almost like my brain has to keep track of all the things that i do that I, that i need to do and because of that it clutters like the mood and stuff like that because I'm thinking like, oh, well, after I do this, I need to remember that I have to actually do something. When yeah. I can put it down on like paper and look, or, or like on a, in a note on my phone or whatever and kind of keep it there. And then when I have the time to like look at it and say, OK, let me look at that stuff that I need to do because um, I have some free time maybe and maybe I want to slip something in like I'll look and see what I have and I'll be like, OK, um, out of these things, I can probably do this. And I'll see if I'm feeling in the need to, or in the mood to do this. And yeah. that's, that's been pretty helpful. So I'm with you on that. I feel you on the the mounting of things and then becoming like, okay, this is like annoying and too much. And I don't feel like doing any of it. That's, that's one trick that I've done. It's not like a miracle trick or I'm sure 
other people have mentioned all the time, you know, writing things down, but yeah, seemed to help, seemed to help me. So nice. Well, it's, Hey, sharing. It's always cool to hear actual tips from real human beings instead of like searching the internet for an article. Uh, Right. So I, I love talking to real people about this stuff. Although I was joking earlier with my mom that you Mm -hmm. were my imaginary friend. So, (laughs) (laughs) cause they, I don't know if my mom's met you or seen you. So, Probably not. So the idea that like I go down here and pretend to be talking about <laughs> Mad Men with you is super funny to me. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Like my mom hears me going, "Yeah, Jaw is so uh, not, not so enough after pee. the show." You're right. It's like we're gonna get some food later, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll catch you. I'll catch you around. And then my mom's like, "They don't make a Jamie Fox barbecue sauce. You liar! Stop making things up. <laughs> you just like Jamie Fox. Yeah, you're just obsessed. You're right. Obsessed. Uh, anyway." <laughs> The other thing I will say quickly is that I've been listening to more podcasts and been able to nice. do that again. And that's been fun. So That's, great. that's I, great. I feel like I'm on a good path forward, Jala. I feel like I'm on the right track. And some days it gets really hard. Like for some reason today and last night it got really hard despite yeah. Thursday and Friday being really good overall. But oh, good. overall, I think the trend is it's looking up for Mikey. It is, man. <laughs> I do want to mention we got to congratulate you, buddy. Oh, you, you must be you must be congratulated. I don't know if you know, but uh, the Dermot, the Dermot, <laughs> the Dermot, the Dermot. <laughs> yes, he's uh, he's 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 been uh, featured in uh, our uh, local uh, magazine, Minneapolis St. Paul. That's uh, their website. I'm, yes, their website. I just um, I'm proud of you, man. Oh, thank I, you. I think it's uh, I think it's uh, I love it. I, I love coverage of of, of uh, good local music, and uh, you're definitely doing it. So. Thank you. Congrats on that, buddy. Thank you. Well, more to come. I don't I that's manifesting by the way, but more to come. Yes, let's manifest. Let's manifest. I'm, all right. I'm all about the manifest. And speaking of manifest, it's time for my man fest, which is Don Fest. <laughs> there you go. We nailed it. There we go. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, man. Um should we jump on that uh carousel? Nostalgia. It's delicate. Potent. Sweetheart. I was hoping you'd never ask. Wait, no, that's not how it goes. (laughs) Wait, is that the (laughs) I hope you never ask? As I was saying that, I knew it was wrong, and I was like, let's go for it. Let's just see how that feels to say out loud. That was good. That it's was like good. a Tim and Eric thing. I was hoping you'd never ask. And it's like, wait. <laughs> I'm sure that's from – I'm pretty sure that's from a TV show or something. Um, that's good comedy. That's leave good us comedy. leave us a tweet, hashtag DadMenDonCast, and tell me where I stole that from on accident. Yeah, so very nice. Very nice. <laughs> so, man, um, we're in season two, episode seven. Uh, the episode is called A Night to Remember. I'd argue it's episode eight. Oh, am I wrong? Am I wrong? I'd argue that it's episode eight. <gasps> I'm wrong. <laughs> You're fading away. You're, you're, no. You're turning to dust right before my eyes. <laughs> what happens when I a see. man is wrong one time? <laughs> yeah, he just turns to dust. <laughs> the fragile masculinity yeah. crumbles. No. <laughs> Punches a hole through the wall. And then he turns to dust, folks. And then, yeah, then the dust comes. <laughs> no, you are correct. Yeah. You are correct, sir. We are in a, we are in a, a season two, episode eight, a night to remember. Uh, you want to give me the director? Yes, I do. And the writers of this episode. So, a night to remember 
is written by Matthew Weiner and Robin Veith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, it's directed by Leslie Linka Gladder. Mm, I see. She's done a she's done a another episode in this season too. Uh, I believe it was the benefactor. Mm. I guess the question is: Is this episode a benefactor of her directorial skills as well? <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Tips, Fedora. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Um. So a uh, a breakdown of this episode. Um. Before we really get into the carousel. Sure. Um. So we start the episode with uh, Betty and uh, her uh, getting off some steam. And um, after that, the uh, Drapers are planning on a, um, I guess, like a housewarming party. It's not a housewarming party. It's like a get-together party with some of the uh, Don's uh, work people. Yep. And um, after that, we have uh, Peggy being asked again by the father to do some work on... uh, a church dance. So she's going to be working on some promo work with him. It is. And then uh, we get to the actual party with uh, Betty and Don, which on the surface seems to be going smooth, but uh, a few things start brewing after that. And um, then we get a nice news storyline that I'm really enjoying this episode, which is the uh, Harry Crane and Joan as they tag team on uh the TV accounts, yes. Thank you. Um, I would say that Joan is doing all the work, and uh, I, yes. would, I wouldn't of call course. it a tag team. I think <laughs> that uh, for those who don't have the video, which is all of you, uh, I held my <laughs> finger up very patiently, and he called on me like a good professor. So um, yeah, but uh, eyes I'm going to call you the professor from now on. Yeah, <laughs> Professor <laughs> J. Is that yeah, a, Professor J? That's cool. All right. Anyway, go on. I like that. Yeah. So. Um, and then after after their their TV work, we get um, the father in this episode is really kind of leaning on Peggy, thinks that she needs something to say to him, get something off her chest, and um, that becomes kind of a little bit of a tug of war that they start to have. And um, then by the end, a little bit of uh, Don and Betty at it again. But in a different in a different way than we've seen them at it. Um, so we'd like to kind of break down that whole uh, that whole conversation. We shall. Um, yeah, but man. Don can't come home. He's the I man. don't want to see you. <laughs> that's. I think that's everyone in a relationship. That's like the worst nightmare on the other end of the phone. Besides, maybe like we're breaking up or. You're right. But, yeah, that would be the worst. And then yeah, I don't want to see. You. I mean, I don't want to see you, and we're breaking up is. It's right there. They're right next to each other. Right. I don't want to see you could parlay into never seeing them again. So, I think it's right. almost the uncertainty that is yes. worse than we're breaking yes. up. Because it's like yeah. when someone finally breaks up with you and you've been dreading it, it's like, okay, well, it happened. This is the worst mm-hmm. pain ever, but it's over. Like Right. But She said it. She said it. Or he said it. Or he said it. Or they said it. Or right. my friend said it. Or mm-hmm. my even friends, yeah, that's true too. Yeah. That could be in a friend in a friend space as well. Yeah, <laughs> or my dog said it. Oh man, my dog told me <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to see me anymore. I don't want to reroar any roar. Uh, <laughs> good, good episode recap, Mike. I think you covered all the uh, the basics. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Um, do you remember this episode from um, from the past? Oh, does yes. it? Does it? Okay. Oh yeah. Tell me what you remember. So, um, 
the main thing that I remember is Betty saying, you embarrassed me to Don. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's one of the best scenes in the whole show. And yeah. uh, it's Betty finally just snapping at Don. It's not just about the party, but it's about how he thinks that he knows everything about her. And he plays her. He plays her like yeah. a puppeteer, you know? Yeah. And she's sick of it. And he doesn't realize the conversation is about more than the party. So, he says she's being hysterical. Uh, go, goes to bed or is about to go to bed. And then she confronts him that she knows yeah. he's having an affair. Something that's been brewing for one and a half seasons where it's like, does Betty really know? Is she ever going to talk to Don about this? Or are they just going to be in this sort of relationship limbo? And she finally just yeah. says it. and yeah, Which was brave. And I think obviously warranted I mean, oh, just given yeah. given what happened last episode and all those bombs that were going on um during the party i mean it's just it's a lot it's a lot i mean i was laughing because that uh the 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 beginning of the episode don just acts like <laughs> nothing happened yes dude i'm so glad you said that no that's the thing yeah. that i didn't remember was that he is like carefree he is living on easy street the episode begins with Betty, who couldn't sleep, riding at dusk with her horse. Yep. And yeah. she gets home and Don is just conked out, taking up a ton of space in the bed. And he's like just – he's trying to flirt with her. He's trying to be daddy. He's trying to be hubby. You know, he's – he <laughs> has no clue that anything bad has happened, which is bizarre because we don't know how close this is to the party. But yeah. I – why would that not got to be the night after? It's yeah, gotta be. he's delusional though. Like he's in complete delusion, La La Land, where he's just yeah. He thinks I am so great, my life is great, <laughs> and I'm a great husband. Like he's just playing. He's just acting, man. He's but but it's a lot of acting. But it's it's not acting though because he doesn't care. Like the show shows he doesn't care. It's bizarre. Like yeah, it's a mixture of a mix of I don't care. I'm the man of the home. You believe me, right? Like, I mean, it's not even like they even had that conversation. It's, no. it, it was even before that. Like, I was kind of imagining because of what we saw in the beginning of this episode. Uh, uh, in the beginning of this episode, I was imagining like the reason why they didn't have the talk is because Betty got sick, and the focus became let's get Betty home. Yeah, you know, make sure she's okay. Da, 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 da. I'll get myself well, ready. He doesn't I'll know what that he's heard. Right, that he, too. That's the main that's thing, good. is that he's deluded himself into thinking, oh, okay, Jimmy Barrett confronted me about this shit, but nobody talked to Betty about it. I just gotta act I just gotta act normal and it's all gonna be normal. I think that's right. where the delusion sets in. It's not like he thinks Betty has heard anything. But, right. Or at least he's he's convinced himself so that he doesn't go crazy. Because he's very, <laughs> right, exactly. He's a very gifted uh manipulator of the truth or a manipulator of like reality or it's yeah yeah very good at yeah. uh, manipulating reality that's for damn sure yeah does he think that jimmy barrett didn't talk to betty when they were talking like and didn't say it like uh, anyway he's he probably just was hoping for it so hard that it became he was manifesting it <laughs> yes <laughs> yes he was trying to manifest that everything was butter even though that that car ride was uh, anything but <laughs> well, and it pisses Betty off. You can see, like when he's he's like kind of trying to be cute when she's asking him to fix the power socket or whatever, and he he's like, "Sounds like you could do it." <laughs> and then she's smirking. She's like, "Don, 
I need this done. Like she's she's a hard ass in the beginning of the episode too. And I mean rightfully so, man. Oh, hundred percent. No, no, no. I we're pro Betty in this episode, right? Yeah. To be yeah. clear. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So no, I, I'm just saying that like her attitude towards Don is totally different from the start of this episode. I don't think they imply it's the next day though. I don't No, think. they don't. For us the as the viewers, it's it feels like the next day, but there's nothing, right. unfortunately, that says that. I guess the closest sure. thing that says says it's nearby, uh, time-wise, is that Jimmy Barrett's commercial comes on TV. Um, That's right. That's from right. a little while Oof. back. <laughs> Which, by the way, I wanted to talk about this. I, You know me. Yeah. I like to focus on obscure stuff. But, um, I'm with it. He keeps saying – or he doesn't keep saying it. But the line he chooses to say is, this jerk behind the counter gives me nuts. And I'm just like, why are you calling the bartender a jerk? Like <laughs> – it's it's so mean. He's such a mean One of these guy. Play words. Yeah, this jerk behind the counter. This anyway. guy's just trying to do his job, man. You're yeah, you're, being an, <laughs> you're being an asshole, Jimmy. You're being an asshole. I just want to. I just wanted to highlight that because I highlight very bizarre things. Um, it's funny though. But, that was a that was a nice line. Yeah, and just the. I, I remember feeling so sorry for Betty at the dinner uh, with everyone laughing <sighs> and. Do you know who the person is who lets her in on what they're laughing about finally? Roger. Yep, it was Roger. Roger feels bad for her and says, you know, he, he finally is the one who breaks the the cone of silence, let's call it. Um, but yeah, I, I you, oh, go ahead. You know what's funny about that scene is that um, aside from the aside from the tension beforehand leading up to making that scene that scene even worse for Betty because of this whole like, oh, they're talking about something that I don't know. Um, I think they would have been okay if he if Don would have just been like, oh, you know, we're, we're laughing and uh, Duck brings it up because right. we're working on Heineken and um, we're trying to sell them to the fact that like suburban, you know, women are going to like be intrigued by this beer and right. bought it like out of just, you know, wanting to have this beer. And so that's why we thought it was funny. And like, it would have just been like, oh yeah, that's hilarious. Like, you're right. I guess I guess the campaign works. Like instead of instead of that though, it's like this tension building based on what had happened, and then now like every time Betty's kind of confronted with information where like she feels out of the loop, it's like another like stab in the back or you know twist of the knife, and right. it just makes it just way worse. Like Don doesn't even look at her or doesn't even talk to her in that moment. Right. Her husband is just – he's focused on the clients, potential client maybe. Yep. Um, he's focused on everyone except for her because he, he doesn't respect her. Yeah. Uh, that's ultimately that what that point. scene is about. Yeah. yeah. I think Roger ultimately – I know he made a pass at Betty uh, a little while back. But sure. I think he is nicer to Betty than uh, most other characters on the show that he talks to. He, I think he genuinely likes her and sees how smart she is and – yeah, um, and she. And so does think, Duck. By yeah. The way. Oh, yeah. You know what? Duck. When he came in, was it was um they kind of had a nice little thing there when um yeah she let him in. I thought that was I thought that was nice to see. <laughs> you know what I liked is when Duck said he he didn't want to come stag. I love when Don says that nobody cares because it's so true and it's like one of the most likable moments of Don where he just says nobody cares. Come yeah, that's okay, man. Don't worry. And about Duck that. says. Duck says, my wife hated odd numbers. And then it's like, oh, all right, don't bring up your ex-wife right now, man. Let's, right. Let's all just have fun. I, I don't even think he had a date, by the way. Yeah, I don't I think, think he, so. He knew he was going yeah. there by himself. But it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Nothing hey, nothing wrong with going stag, guys. Nothing at all. You know, no, be the if, life of the party or, 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 yeah. or join in the group. 
By the way, mm-hmm. we're sort of hopping all over the place. Yeah. But, um, I think her name is Esther, uh, or Leslie or something. The, the wife of crab, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the wife of crab. That's like a fifties <laughs> monster movie. Wife of crab. I like that. <laughs> wife uh, of crab. So she was an embarrassment. She's a lush. Like she's just so fucking wasted. And I love that they brought that up the next day when Betty and Don are in the middle of the fight. And he's he tells Betty no one's going to remember what happened with her because of the lush falling on her butt and missing her chair, you know? Oh, wow. Was, you know, to bring so much attention to that, though, is kind of, kind of weird. I mean, to me, like, if you're bringing people over and you guys are kind of, like, enjoying each other's company, and stuff, you probably shouldn't be like, oh, that guy was like a... You know, not guy, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't dish on the person, like, a friend that you invited over, like, oh, she was, well, the, she I think, was the real disturbance. Like, I think that she was, like, or I think that Crab was, like, someone, an account that they're trying to get. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Not a friend. That makes, okay. That makes sense. Because Roger wanted Crab from, I forget the name of the place, Coleman Slaw or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but the, he wanted Crab to be there. And okay. uh, the my point. theory is, is that... Uh, Roger is such a devious little jokester in this episode and he wants to make everyone laugh that his whole plan was that's why he wanted Duck and Crab to be there because he could say, uh, and this is my Sterling's Gold, by the way, Duck, Crab. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need for the Sterling's Gold is just him making fun of the, making fun of the fact that they're both animal names. Duck and Crab. <laughs> Duck, Crab. That's it. Those good times. But uh, no, I, I think... It's okay to make fun of someone when they're so drunk that they're like bumping into the wall and uh, sure. they're making an ass of themselves. I mean, sorry, that sounds intolerant, but like I, <laughs> intolerant. I no, I can't stand when people like get so fucking drunk that they're like touching you and like slurring all over into your I'm with ear. That. And I'm with yeah. that. I'm so with she, that. and that's I think she was getting, getting into that, that territory. Yep. Yeah, I feel you. Where she's like, <laughs> I can't even stand, and when. Duck, who's trying to stay sober, and we don't know if he relapsed or not, but the show implies he did. He he says, I don't want anything to drink. And she goes, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> that's not exactly what she says. She probably sounds less like a pterodactyl. But, um, I, so, that's what – drink, have fun. But, like, if you're drinking so much that you're, like, starting to be carried around by other people. And sure. Tripping Control all over yourself. The, yeah, yeah. And, Control yourself. If you have an issue with alcohol, I'm not judging your issue, but I can still be annoyed by your behavior when you're when you're drunk. Yeah, like, and you're in somebody's home for goodness' sake. It's not like you're at the yeah. bar. Yeah, I mean, golly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do you remember about uh, this episode, or as as I like to call it, a night to remember? Ooh, yes, I I um. <laughs> <laughs> that's the title of the episode, so that's yeah, why I like to call it that. It is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um. This episode, honestly, things I remember. It, um, you know, what's funny. I actually do remember the Peggy and father storyline where they're kind of, she's like trying to pitch the pitch this uh, night to remember um, poster to the dance. And I remember how like she was annoyed that she had to like kind of talk to people that weren't the father, like to convince them that this was like a good idea. You could tell, and you know, props to uh, props to Peggy. She does a great job holding her tongue. (laughs) trying to trying to like be paid it's all about patience man patience with you have to know who you're dealing with and talking to and then 
adjust your level of patience (laughs) to fit the situation so so that it doesn't come off brash or out of control or um so so she did a great job with that i remember that scene quite a bit um didn't recall how much the father was trying to get something out of peggy i didn't remember that i um i thought it was an interesting scene that he was trying to do it in such a public and open space i was like father is this the this is the place for that like i was thinking thinking to myself i was like and um but the more he kept with it um he was starting to get in and um i thought to myself well if anything he is good at what he does i just thought that the place you know i'm sure it was very strategic if you really think about it he's trying to put her in a position where we can't you know you, you you can't really kind of escape in a way but without being like very like demanding like you need to sit down and tell me what's going on it was very like i feel like there's something going on and you know we have this working talking relationship and i kind of want to is there something you want to say I, it was weird timing but i mean he's obviously getting at something that's actually there he knows what he's getting at there and I, peggy i don't I don't know if she knows that he knows what he's getting at, but I mean, nevertheless, there's something there that can be spoken about that they both know. So, yeah, Um, didn't recall that scene. I didn't recall that, though. I only remembered him kind of like them kind of working together and trying to get this uh, this poster done. But I didn't remember him trying to dig in. Yeah. On the one hand, I know he's trying to do something good, but I really I don't like that it's at her work. Uh, I don't, I think it crosses a line, but like, it's not a big deal, I guess, but it's kind of annoying. Like, yeah, trying to be put in like her, he's catching her off guard, you know, where she didn't think he would do something like this here and she's not going to confession. So he's like, I'm going to make her confess by doing this. So, right. Yeah. But no, that's, um, that's a good point. Actually, it's a good point. Yeah. But he, he's like you said, he almost gets somewhere, but then the copies are done. But it's like mm-hmm. if you get someone to do something under duress, you're still pressuring some, you're, you're pressuring it out of them, and it might not be like as productive as you would hope. So, um, sure, we'll see how those characters get to know each other because I have a feeling that's not the last we've seen of uh, Preacher Man. Of the, of the yeah, father. Preacher Man's gonna be there, man. I think um, he likes Peggy. He likes, I think he likes who she is as a person, and ultimately, I, he just wants to help her. Yeah. Um, he definitely does. And I, I respect that. Yeah, I, I respect the caringness of that. You know, because any other person could have just been like, oh, that's her problem. And, you know, she can. He is a priest. Hell is though. Of course. <laughs> and it, it, he's chosen to live. He's chosen to live in that or walk that path. But people that, you know, put on the garb aren't always the best fit for the job. Sure. Yeah. Let's just say. Everyone who gets a job, there's, there's a chance that someone who isn't the best fit for it got it. So. It's a, it's a yeah, fair point. And, you know, I, yeah, they could they could be leading people astray. I just you don't know, know if so. I I love his approach. I, I think the show does a good job of not letting us know how exactly he feels about Peggy, but I think there's a chance that he has a little bit of a crush on her, you know? Yeah, yeah, there's a little something there with yeah. them. And, um, and Peggy's tolerating it, I think, um, because of this little – they have an interesting dynamic together. So. She likes him. She she thinks he's okay. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think she does like I him. I think it's funny, though. I don't know if she likes him as a person, but I think she knows he's a decent guy. 
but I think she gets annoyed yeah, by him pretty often. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I just love that she's so like this is such a different Peggy than the one we saw in season one, where she is just kind of a she's she's tough. She's tough on him, where she's like, "You're supposed to do this." That's she's treating him like he should know these advertising things and that they're on an account together. Yeah. It's so funny, yes, exactly. Like. Because she's still very... She caught herself. Though. She's still very new to this field, though. And she's like, you're supposed to do this. And it's because I think <laughs> she's so young and so, like, passionate right. that when someone isn't doing things right, she very passionately wants to correct them. And it's like, yep. Peggy, he's not on an account with you that you're not at work. Like, <laughs> you're doing... That is very useful. You're doing stuff for a <laughs> church. Like, but the youthful thing, like you said, is like to want everything to be 100% as best you can do and don't compromise your the youth lack patience and much yeah. much patience. i mean when i was in my 20s i was just not offering people enough grace and not being patient enough with people so um peggy yeah. peggy's It'd be like that yeah peggy is great in this episode but she's also a little little crabby sometimes <laughs> what the speaking of <laughs> oh speaking of crabby okay yeah yeah speaking of crabs yes no i um this episode surmised to me is that everyone seems ag- agitated in this episode i was um, i was thinking and it's funny the word yeah oh sorry it's it's funny the word agitated because it's used in the episode as well yeah. the agitator <laughs> yeah the agitator and i was like hmm everybody's feeling it yeah or a lot of people are, are, are some of our favorites are, are really feeling the agitation and the struggle of this episode for sure. I got to tell you, I did not remember season two being so Harry Crane heavy. And yet, yes. sure enough, it really is. In fact, I think it may be the heaviest amount of Harry Crane that the show ever gives. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just crazy, dude. He's He's been a big player this season. Uh, this plot is interesting because it starts out as another Harry Crane story and I'm just like, Oh, no. Not again. <laughs> no, <laughs> not again. Not again. Why are they going back to this well? There's no water in there. But um, yeah. it becomes a Jones story, and I think it is an incredible story. I think it's one of my favorites mm-hmm. of the season. Um, yeah, And for sure. we get to see Joan really shed her badass image at home. We get to yeah. see, And we get to see her bouncing around um, because she's so excited about these scripts because basically Harry – got in trouble because uh, the agitator was a Russian spy character on a TV show. <laughs> and <laughs> and he was like, or I guess he was an agitator. Like they kept calling him an agitator throughout the whole show. And then right. May, Mayplex, is that their name? Uh, Maytag. Maytag. Um, yeah. They had a commercial <laughs> where their project, their product was called the agitator or something. And so linking them to Russia, linking them to communism is what Harry brought up, which is they're very sensitive to communism. It was just so funny to see like him being in big trouble and him being super overwhelmed. And I don't know, man, we never seem to see Harry working very hard. He's always off on these stupid adventures. Um, between the, <laughs> the, Harry adventures. The, the Harry adventures, which, yeah. He's got the the paycheck adventure. He's got the the painting adventure. Um, oh, that's right. Yep. He's he's a character that pisses me off because he's always bitching, always bitching. He does whine a lot. He's a whiner. He does whine quite a bit. He's, he's yeah, got a wife. Sure. He's got a kid on the way, and he talks about it like it's nothing. I think that what I was hit by with this episode was that he is a man who is just kind of 
not a participant in his life. He's just kind of sitting on the ride and watching it happen. Um, yeah, you're definitely right. Yeah. Un- unless somebody shakes him to do something, which about his it. wife he tries. Really has to be his wife tries. She's yeah. a good woman, from what we've seen, and she Absolutely. believes in him. And he doesn't believe in himself at all. He's just like he had to get called into Roger's office to get that raise, and it, he gave up on the like when there was the slightest <laughs> bit of pushback. He had some some nerve, but like he still he did. He tried. He still gave up really fast. Um, he did. I remember mentioning yeah. that. I was like, he let he, st- he let Sterling like put you against the wall. Yeah. And, and Sterling, well, yeah. I think it was the fact that Sterling said plus drinks when he talked about the pay. <laughs> plus drinks. Um, but yeah, I, so I, Harry pisses me off. I don't like hate him or something, but he pisses me off greatly. And this plot where he's like, I can't do this all by myself. I need to find someone who can help me. It becomes an amazingly fun story on Mad Men where Joan yeah. lights up. She's happier than she's ever been at that job, it seems like. And yeah. she I think it flexes her like a part of her brain that she had forgotten about, like a creative part where she's yeah she gets to read and she gets to like feel useful to the operations of the mm-hmm. agency, like beyond the secretarial pool, which she she yeah. cares about that stuff, but of course she's not passionate about it. She doesn't it doesn't right. fulfill her spirit. So, to then have that Joan is great for that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like to be to be put in a position that you're not super passionate about, but you care enough to like do it the best at your ability. That's that that takes a lot. Yeah. That's um, I don't know what to. Do. That's a uh, chutzpah. That's the word that came to my mind. Chutzpah. A lot of chutzpah. Yeah, yeah a lot of chutzpah. I'm sure it's Yiddish or something. But I do. I. <laughs> I do remember this plot though too, carousel wise. Like it's, mm-hmm. I think the moment where we really see the gentle and human side of Joan, where she is at home and we get to see her kind of interact with her fiance for the first real time, and mm-hmm. you can tell that like this means a lot to her. And then so to see it stripped away from her um, just sucks. It's sad. it's it's one yeah. of my least favorite moments in the whole show. Least favorite in terms of I don't like what's happening. It's it's really done well. Christina Hendricks yeah. acts that scene so well when she's she walks in and she's like, "Hey, so good. yeah." She's she's like, "What are we laughing so about?" Good. And then uh, Harry tells her, "This is the new head of like broadcast researcher." I think is what the position was called. Yeah, that was right. And mm-hmm. when when or when Harry says she knows everything about this position. Um, the mm-hmm. new guy says, well, that makes one of us. And it's just like, ooh, that was such an, <sighs> it's just, it's so sad that she wasn't in a position where she could have said to Roger, I love doing this. This is something. Yeah. I'm- or Harry. I mean, yeah, sorry. Or Harry. But, Crane, but she knows Roger and she, Roger is the one who put her on the assignment pretty much. So. Oh, right. I, um, my conspiracy theory. You remember when you said Bobby Barrett planned that thing last week and he, I hadn't thought of it. Yeah. I think that Roger did this intentionally to Joan. Yo. Because of the You are so right. Yeah, because of the yeah. uh, disagreement they had about her coming back to work and about he's jealous of her finding a a, a marriage, a happy marriage. Yep. So yep. that's my conspiracy theory because he's like, "Oh, okay, I'll have Joan uh assign a girl to it." And he didn't do it in the proper way where he knows how to get a girl assigned to something. I think he right. sent a note to Joan like, hey, they need your help. And she right. mentions they're spread thin. So, she's like, all right, yeah, I'll help. What's up? She's such a team player. She's she's always jumping in like, I'll be Don's secretary. I'll do this. I'll do that. So, 
It only she's the strongest character in the show, bro. I'm like sitting here and thinking about it, or say sorry, I don't want to make it so definitive, but she's definitely. I'll just say she's definitely one of the strongest characters in the show yeah. like, by far. Well, I, like, I want to say she's the most versatile character in the show. Nobody yeah. can do all the things that she can do. Nope, not one. Yeah, not one. Yeah. Um, other than that, I have quick little notes here and there before we get into segments. Um, sure. Stuff that like connects the continuity this whole season that really matters to me. Like, yeah, um, for sure. The fact that Sal, I don't remember this happening before. He's sitting with the guys mm-hmm. after his dinner with uh, Ken. How cool! How yeah. cool is that? He's hanging with the boys. Like, it's nice. He's one of the boys, like not by himself yeah. in his like uh, in his little room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny the talk about having how important it is to have underlings um that was really thought provoking where it's like that is true it is good to have people who you can uh count on for loyalty and also to help you out and to blame when things go wrong (laughs) um and i have one last bit of continuity that i really like um actually two one serious one and then one joke one um Uh the serious one is that pete one of the the like three scenes he has in this episode is that he comes in with Duck to talk to Don about the Heineken beer account. And mm-hmm. um, he does not have much to do in the scene. He, uh, But there's a moment where Don is explaining his strategy that suburban housewives will love Heineken. They'll see it as like mm-hmm. a, an amazing import to include with their their dinners, you know. Um, yeah. He's right, by the way. Um, but Absolutely. the way Pete looks at Don when he's talking... Pete still holds a candle in his heart for uh, for Don. He still has feelings for him. I don't know how you feel about that. Daddy? <laughs> he's like, I, I love this man. He's so He is so smart. Like, Pete lo- is looking yeah, at him I like he still him. respects him and wants, it, wants him to like him. And yeah. so, he does, after the meeting is over or the talk with Duck, um, Pete just stands there at the door for a second, super awkwardly, and has a weird <laughs> frowny face on. I just love when Don gives him a shrug, like, what do you want? <laughs> like, are you going to say something? And then Pete just leaves. You're going to get out? Yeah. Right. Uh, Pete. I don't know, man. That scene feels so kiddish to me because if you put them it just in my dad brain, like it just looks like a boy standing at the door and dad's like, I'm busy. <laughs> He's like. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing okay. <laughs> go, go, go we'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> right? But, yeah, we'll talk later. Yeah, okay. Pete's bad manners when it comes to Don's office are still there, where he he feels like he doesn't have to leave right away, or I I don't know <laughs> what he's around. doing. He's so weird. I. It's cute, man. Yeah, it's cute. He, he just tries to kind of like yeah, he tries to like hang out like without saying. Yeah. He's not gonna be like, can we hang out, Don? It's like a weird conversation to have. He'll just you know, I'd be like stand there. And- that's like an Andy Bernard, Michael Scott conversation. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, the joke continuity thing that I have to bring up uh-huh. is when Paul Kinsey asks Harry Crane, Harry, do you remember that restaurant with the wallpaper and the kebabs? I'm uh, I'm almost wondering if that is a Ukrainian food restaurant. <gasps> Yo, that is hilarious if that is. <laughs> We'll never know. I wish I we'll would have like. I wish I would have known because I would have laughed so hard if I would have connected those. Two I I heard it immediately and I said, "Well, I'm I'm obsessed." There it is. <laughs> I'm just it's it's like a Rorschach test where every time I hear him talk about anything related to food, I'm just like, "Yep, Ukrainian food. Here it comes. <laughs> Here it comes." 
Poor Kinsey. Here comes the Ukrainian. He got nothing to do, man, in this episode. He's he's got nothing. No, I know. Um it I do have a Sterling's Gold that I thought was funny while watching the episode yeah. as well. Um Ken, when uh, Peggy's coming in with the father, Ken goes, makes a lot of sense. She's an un- undercover nun. Interesting. That's a good one. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was cute because, you know, people people think weird things of Peggy and her old things. Yeah. I uh, I liked Pete saying, I guess we got Miracle Whip. I thought that was more clever than uh, Ken's. Ken's is a bit more bullying. Of course, of course, of course. I mean, his, his is, Ken's is kind of like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's it's a, it's a judgment yeah call, right? yeah he's judging her but he respects peggy so it's okay i guess uh yeah exactly he, he likes a lot her. of tugging of the leg yeah yeah for sure he knew not to call her speaking of crab he knew not to call her a lobster around here yeah, you know she's kind of an undercover lot what were you gonna say well lo- none just <laughs> <laughs> cracking his, his knuckles yeah. undercover lobster <laughs> <laughs> We suck, man. Really, we, we're really hitting the seafood. <laughs> we suck. Yeah. Um, uh, before we get into segments and stuff, and, and of course our dad rating. Um, of course, of course. I think the theme of this episode for me is um, the perseverance of women um, in the mm. face of not just men, but also just outside forces, uh, patriarchal forces, because a priest is like the patriarch of the church. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the... Sure. I guess it's women being taken down by the patriarchy. That's that's the theme yeah. of this episode for me. Yeah, it's um it's disheartening for sure. I mean, we were talking about how Joan is handling that news, um, and the fact that she does all the work. You know, another another note to add to your conspiracy theory is that um Sterling personally heard from the clients that they're yeah. doing a fantastic and I know for a fact, well, I don't know for a fact, but I know f- almost for certain that he knows that it's not because of Harry. Crane. Yes. He's acting all shot. He's like, Oh, okay. Well, her, her attentions are clearly split. So uh, let's get a, and he goes, let's get him. Let, let's get a guy on it. Let's get him up to speed. Exactly. So yep. shitty. Yep. God damn it. Yeah. He, he knows, he knows she did a great job and she's killing it. And yeah. he's like, Let's just dash that. So, I mean, I think your conspiracy theory is less of a conspiracy, mm. more of a planned action. Yes. Well, it's it's what happens when you pay like super close attention to the show is you you see these characters and you see that there's like hidden reasons for them doing stuff, you know? Yes. Nothing's just kind of happenstance. No. Like, oh, I'm just going to do this I was like, because oh, I feel like Yeah, it. Roger just randomly said, let's get Joan on this. Yeah. Let's. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, I hope that next week has more Pete and Roger. I can only hope, but yeah, that's a big problem with the show in general for me is that they don't give Pete enough plot. Like, but that's a that's a future Michael thing we'll discuss. But there's some seasons yeah, where yeah. he has a lot to do, and some seasons where they barely give him anything, and his his character just feels so shortchanged. That's true, and you know, I do want to give props to um to Matthew Weiner because I know that we. We're not huge fans of Harry, but the attention to detail to try to focus on the TV department of Sterling Cooper to build that up has to be led by, you know, this character who's, you know, given himself the role of TV 
you know, of TV, you know, he, he kind of threw himself into that space. And now that it's like a valid space for him to fill, like now it's going to be a big portion or it could be something that could eventually be a big portion of Sterling Cooper. So to give it the storyline and the focus, I think is a smart, uh, smart storytelling way of doing things. Cause I think any other show like would maybe just be like, okay, you know, our building has a TV department. I'm not going to spend any or much time at all, even like developing the person who's going to be dealing with this stuff or like the department in general. And then all of a sudden down the line, you know, it's going to be like a thing and we don't know how we got. There. Yeah. Like in <laughs> you know season I mean? six where it's like, yeah, and here's our TV department that's been there the whole time. Oh, it's like, what, t- what TV department? I hate when shows I've do never that, seen. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We, so perhaps we man. have never had a TV department. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> That's Pete. He's freaking out. Um, I think that this episode illustrates something, and you helped me think of this. Sterling Cooper mm-hmm. feels huge. It feels like a, a real right. company. And, like, yes. we've never seen Mitch, as far as I know. And yet, Harry has talked about him a few times. That's a good point. Wh- whoever yeah. Mitch is, he's his boss um, slash, like, higher up. And he's not happy mm-hmm. about Harry's promotion and about Harry basically – being a revolutionary in terms of thinking about TV. Um, right. But yeah, I I think the episode definitely shows what it wants to in terms of Harry. And I just don't believe that he's like working that hard. Uh, I really don't. I think he's doing like an average amount of work, if anything. Yeah. It's um, the vision might be there for him, but we're waiting for execution yeah. now. You know, we've had some bits and pieces of execution, but you know, we'll see. We'll see where he lands. We'll see where he lands. With well, him. and to Duck's point, he really doesn't think forward, and he he doesn't see TV as all that great. I don't think. Um, yeah, I think that's the big tragedy of Duck's character is that he doesn't seem to be of the times. Like, I think he's like a fifties guy. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like oh yeah, absolutely, and, absolutely. And this watch, this watch through the show, I have never had this much sympathy for the Duck. I. Uh, <laughs> That's what I'd call this season of uh, Dadman is season two, Dadman. Sympathy for the duck. Sympathy for the duck. It's a beautiful title. You know, there's a beauty of of, uh, of our age. Mm-hmm. We feel more things, don't we? Yeah, we do. I swear to God, I, I feel way more things. Like, Well, you're a dad. I, I'm so. with you. Like, Yeah, now it's like doubled and tripled over. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, I can feel duck's uh, pain points yeah. way more, way more than before. Way more. Yeah, I guess through our like extra experience as we grow up and become men i think we mm-hmm. develop greater empathy and the ability to since since at least this is true for you and me um yeah a greater a, like bandwidth of empathy for people like yes. when i was in my 20s yes. and watching the show um i just thought duck was the villain of the season and he's like <laughs> an asshole I the same yeah thing. and he, yep. he's the antagonist sure um but ultimately he is given the same breathing room that Don or Harry or Roger gets or Joan or Peggy, where he gets to be a human being too. And I yeah. just feel bad for him. He's just a guy. Yeah, he's he's just a guy, like you said. And yeah, that's it. That's why I love this show, man. And it's it's gotten – It's great, man. Without getting too into it, I think I like the show more than I did before in terms of like <laughs> the quality of characterization. I didn't realize how good the characterization was before. So I think we felt – how great it was but now we can really verbalize and really show you on paper almost like this is how this is why it's so good look at 
what they're doing. That's probably look it. at how they're doing. And I, I think I, yeah. I can contextualize it better. And I, I, let's say I know that I knew that it was great before, but I couldn't comprehend why it was great. Right. There you go. Yeah, right. We're exactly. On the same page. Exactly. For ratings. Yes, indeed. For ratings. So here's <laughs> something interesting. Uh, yeah. I watched this episode for the first time, uh, not the first time ever, but the first time for the Dadman show last sure. Sunday. Um, and I would have given it back then. I would have given it like three and a half again, like three and a half or something. Today I'd give it four point. I think a four point twenty five or again, like almost four and a half, but just not quite there. We're right there, buddy. Four point two (laughs) five for me as well. Four point two (laughs) five Manhattan's. Woo! Yes, indeed. That means it's definitive now. (laughs) They're gonna make a uh, encyclopedia for Mad Men, and they're gonna have like. Matthew Weiner's rating. They're going to have uh, oh, the Jack Jacques Matons ratings, and then they're going to have our ratings. <laughs> That's going to be sweet. Yeah, I don't know why they would pick these three random pieces of data to pull from. <laughs> <laughs> it's like on the wiki page where on the left or on the right side, yeah, it's like ratings, ratings from yeah, like yeah. different websites. Yeah. The Pitchfork <laughs> ratings are always comically low. Uh, yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, we don't talk about Pitchfork. So, uh, <laughs> I just had this really funny but awful image of like a Mad Men documentary. You know how some documentaries mm-hmm. they'll like interview fans for it too. I, oh, I sure, just had sure, this sure. awful image of like they're talking to like Don, John Hamm, they're talking to um, Christina Hendricks, they're talking to this, the, all yeah. these great people, and then they're like yeah. <laughs> Michael Roland and Mike Jala, and then under it says hosts of podcast, and it's like, <laughs> and we're both wearing like Dragon Ball Z shirts and. <laughs> We both haven't showered, and we're just, <laughs> dude. Yeah, well, so we went sick. to the show another time. <laughs> so we're on the third go through. This is us in like twenty thirty. We're still doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so we're on like the fifth go through of the show, and man, it just keeps getting better. Except for last year, season three, and they just cut us off. They're like, this is <laughs> somehow they make the decision to keep part of that in, but then add like goofy music that shows like okay this sucks and then they go to the next person it was totally a, a matthew weiner like edited part, a scene part. <laughs> now I don't, you know what the line before our appearances is that christina goes now we don't love all our fans and then, <laughs> there we go <laughs> there we go there we go or, uh, michael roland uh, for some reason our voices have gotten much deeper from <laughs> <laughs> i love it that's man. uh <laughs> So yeah, this season was at four point twenty five. All right. <laughs> Every time they go through each season, and they only talk to us to get the rating. And that's it. That's all they care about from us is the fucking Manhattan yes. ratings. They don't give a shit about it. They they literally cut away every time we try to sneak in some analysis. Yeah, they're like no, and duck, and then the next team. Ah, uh, anyway, cool man. Well, it's time for the segment that sort of is a spotlight on me and. Mm-hmm. This is called Michael's Mental Health Nook and pied de And it's where I talk about the relationships on display in the, in the episode, the relationship issues maybe, how they could have been resolved more productively. And um, we could talk about Don and Betty in this part, but I actually want to do yeah. – this might this might strike you as sort of a left curveball, <laughs> left, mm-hmm, left field mm-hmm. curveball. But I yeah. want to talk about Warren's attitude about Joan. Warren is the oh, Warren is the heavier fellow who is in Harry Crane's office with him in the media department. Yeah. yeah. Um and to be honest with you, it really creeps me out how he talks to Joan. 
uh, and about her. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so when Joan visits Harry in the office and asks him, you know, how can I help? How can I help you out with the situation you're in? Um, mm-hmm. Warren comes into the office and he's like super shocked that Joan is there, and yeah, it's yeah. like mouth agape, kind of you know shaking a bit, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Hi, hi, Joan," and um, she's polite and says, "Hello, Warren," and then Warren says, "You look really great today, Joan," and she goes, "Thank you, Warren." <laughs> but she doesn't say cold. She's just, you know, she is not being mean, but she's also not giving him an ounce of like. She's being sure. Yeah, but not unfriendly, I guess. I, well, right. It's so tough to be a woman, I'm sure, in that moment, dude. Like, if yeah. a guy is like giving you a compliment about your looks and it's like, what should I say? Like, you just say thank you, I guess. Yeah, you say thank, thank you, you, I guess. Yeah. But, dude, the way Warren is talking to Joan is like. I don't know how guys can be so oblivious to this stuff, but like Mm -hmm. people can sense when you're like desperate and you're like panicking seeing them. And I I, I don't know, man. It's obviously people get nervous when they talk to girls. People get nervous when they talk to guys. It's normal. But the way Warren is doing it is he's like super obvious. Like he's, he's super obviously like, drooling over her um like fantasizing about her clearly like you know what i mean like he's he's just being a creep yeah you know the i'm with you on um parts of the warren and kind of the way he's going about doing it but when you're looking he's so he's so drenched in um anxiety about at least from what it looks like you know i there's, I, you know, we've been to school and we've met the super awkward kid who wasn't really great at verbalizing th- themselves or standing up for themselves or, or, or speaking up in a clearer tone that sounds very, not even confident, but just very natural and comfortable. And they, I feel like he, he because of that, I mean, he's a grown man too, which is kind of like a, a more sadder issue. He's so shrouded in this, like, I think this woman is beautiful but yeah. i don't know what should i how say to approach her yeah what should i say yeah. and you know what i'm gonna say something and then all that comes out is just like this quivery you know n- nothing and joan you know joan being a strong you know woman as she is she's not gonna res- she's not really gonna give any of that any rhythm because you know that approach does not work for someone who's trying to i don't know i don't know there's no end goal no there's no end goal no he and he has ulterior motives when he's talking to her but he doesn't even know what they are like he's he's right here's why i wanted to talk about this because he goes why can't i do that and what does he say that for i I can't remember the i'll um, tell you he it's after Joan has left and Harry Crane and mm-hmm. him are alone in the office and he says why can't I do that and Harry thinks he's talking about the new job and he says no okay. I mean talk to her like you did she's so much woman um the reason why you can't talk to her is because you're so self-centered and so like oh she's so beautiful I got to say something to impress her I got like he's 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 other. I, I think you. he's othering her when he's saying she's so much woman, and he's putting her on a creepy pedestal. Pedestal. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think I that's you. why guys, when we're in high school, sometimes we have problems talking to girls because we get in our heads and we're like, yep. oh, she's so beautiful. And she's, but like, Harry's talking to her like she's a human being because she is. Right. She's just a human yes. being. Like, think yes. of the hottest girl in the world. Think about her right now. She, she's mm-hmm. just a human being. Like, you That's can, true. you can, if true. you need to make conversation with her, which by the way, Warren didn't. He was not part of the conversation. But right. let's say if Harry Crane had to leave to go use the water fountain, he could say, hey, Joan, I heard you were engaged. Like, congratulations. And she'd say, oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, she is engaged, by yeah. the way. Um, how, how long have you guys been dating? You know, he's he's not even saying I can't ask her out because he knows she's engaged, I'm sure. But right. he's saying, yeah. I can't even talk to her. And it's because, dude, you're freaking out. Like, and you're, you're, you're not treating her <laughs> like a human being. Like, as soon as I realized, because in high school, I was like, I, I believed in the friend zone. And I sure. believed in like, oh, I need to have a girlfriend because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, right. Shit yeah. like that, you know? Like, we, we all take our lumps in high school and we all have beliefs that yeah. we don't believe in now. But yeah. as soon as I like stopped thinking about that goal of like getting, mm-hmm. I need to have a girlfriend, it's like, yeah. oh, I really just want to hang out with people who I enjoy hanging out with. I don't have goals for hanging out with people other than to have a, have a good time. Get to yeah. know people, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get to know people and take a genuine interest in people. And yeah. I think you will be shocked at one, your quality of life will improve and two, You'll mm-hmm. probably have more luck in the relationship department. Mike, I, uh, I got to give you props, man. This is a very, a very astute point and some amazing advice yeah. for maybe even young, younger and older people, honestly. Yeah. But to, to, to hear that, hear that message, because I just really like how you broke that down because you, you really kind of, contextualized it in a space where it's like shaking them and saying, Hey, get out of that. Yeah, get, get out, out of your head. head in that space. Yeah. Like this, the, the way you're doing it now, like with this whole weird energy, like this is not, this is not conducive to any type of fruitful relationship. Right. And I think that's, that's really important. So that, that's great. Yeah. I love that. And like, I could talk to Kate Upton if I wanted to, like, if if yeah. she was wearing a Dragon Ball Z shirt, I <laughs> let's say she and I are both at the. Uh, this is not going to turn into a fan fiction, I promise. But let's say we're both at <laughs> the I, we're both at the IRS, and she's at the stall next to me. Like I'm not bothering her. Mm-hmm. I'm not walking up to her. I'd be like, mm-hmm. "Hey, Kate, I love that Dragon Ball Z shirt." Uh, uh, wait, no, I shouldn't start out saying that I know her. Hold on. Let me see, uh, take two. Uh, no, no, I'm getting in my head. No, but I would say, hi, um, I'm sorry. Uh, is that a Dragon Ball Z shirt? Because, yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't start out with Kate. Hey, Kate. I know who you yeah, are. But, hey, cool Dragon Ball Z shirt, ultimately. Yeah. That's all I'd yeah, say. Yeah, for cool sure. Cool Dragon Ball Z shirt. She'd go, oh, thanks. What's your favorite saga? And I'd go, oh, probably, uh, probably the Saiyan saga. And she'd go, oh, man, that's such a great pick. And she'd be like, I'm, in- I'm engaged, by the way. And I'd say, shit. God damn it. <laughs> just, just in her face. God, damn. God fucking damn it. Uh, but yeah, it's very easy to talk to people if you have like, if you feel like you're welcome, like, I guess. Yes. yes. Like Warren could have talked to her. But the, he the problem is, right. is that I think also he's married. Like, I think he mentions how we're always looking for reasons to not go home. 
Um, yeah, sure. So he's married. Like, why is he so obsessed with being able to talk to her? It's because he's becoming a cartoon wolf and panting and you know freaking out. Yeah, but anyway, no, you're right. You're right. I tried to baby him. I think yeah. a little bit. And you, you, you. Uh, I respect. I love. I love. I respect that. I, I respect not having to play the uh, sit up straight role. That was you. That was yeah. you. You did a good job. All right. Well, good. and it's it's. Uh, clearly from my talk with Kate there, how, how rough that started. Like, it's not like I'm a suave, uh, Casablanca type of guy. No, but you get the idea yeah. and the, the concepts are in your brain. You understand it. And it's good. It's a lot of the times people, um, hate the things about others that remind them of themselves. And mm-hmm. I used to be that type of guy where it's like, Oh, I wish I could have a girlfriend that looks that nice or, Oh, right. I, I can't believe that it was so easy for him to joke around with that girl. It's like, yeah. Well, I wonder why that is. It's because that guy doesn't care as much as I do, and he's able to relax exactly. around the girl. It's uh, yeah. Yep. But I think it's important to talk about this stuff because with the rise of inceldom and um, oh yeah, yeah, that can cause people to get seriously hurt because people get into echo chambers, and and not just the people who act on their radical beliefs, but the people who are in those incel groups. Like they're horribly miserable and lonely, and they're in an echo chamber that. Yeah feeds their own worst ideas back to them. So yeah, no it's painful space. No judgment to any insults or anything, but like please get help. Like it's it's the world is not as unkind and uh uncaring as you think. So yeah, true. That's true. Well done, man. Beautiful. Thank you. So does that mean we're out of the nook? Yep. Step on out of my nook, pal. <laughs> You've made yourself more than comfy in here. You gotta get out. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I should stretch and stand. The Minnesotan thing right. to do would be for me to like keep saying, "Well, it's almost dinner time." You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's getting late. It's getting late. It's getting and you're late. like, yeah, I think I could stay for a bit. <laughs> you guys got any coffee? You, you would be patting your knees, the dad thing, and going, "Well, I could eat." You know? <laughs> oh, really? Well, uh, I wasn't planning on having you over for dinner, and you're like, "Oh no, I could stay. Don't worry." <laughs> just forcing you. <laughs> you know what, Mike? I'd really love it if you could. And you just go, no, no, I will not. No, you, you cannot make me, sir. <laughs> that was a beautiful a relationship nook. And um, now that we're out, I think it's time to jump into a little uh, dad break. What do you say? I um, I accept. Beautiful, beautiful. Take this card. <laughs> <laughs> Sterling Cooper. Um, Noah, you know, this this dad break, I kind of um, it dawned on me, man. I um, we've we've done, you know, handful of dad breaks. I don't feel like counting right now. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> twenty one by my best count. Yeah. Twenty or uh, twenty some dad breaks. And um, it hit me. I was like, we're you know, we're fans of we're fans of anime and uh, not ashamed to say it, by the way. Step off, otherwise. But <laughs> I just tugged at my collar. As he shows his shirt. I was talking at my collar, like I am ashamed to say it, but it's like no, no, let's not. Be <laughs> but I am wearing that. a Dragon Ball Z shirt, so that's that yeah. works. Me saying, check out my threads, everybody. Check out the threads. <laughs> but um, I wanted to kind of wax a little poetic about some of our favorite shows that we've seen in the anime sphere, or even just some of our favorite um, anime movies that we've seen. I, I. I don't know if it's me, and I can ask you, but 
Do you feel like there's a little bit of a, like in the past few years, there's been a little bit of a anime like re, re, um, insurgence or something like in the, in the, uh, in the Zed guys? Oh, a hundred percent. I think that yeah. anime has become only more mainstream every year since, uh, Pokemon premiered, you know? Good point. Um, yeah. Good point. I think right now it's just like, it's a culmination of that. It's a gradual growth, Mike. So yeah. Every year it gets a little more mainstream. It's not a lot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't become like oversaturated like some stuff. Right. So that's why mm-hmm. you're seeing Dragon Ball Super Superhero outperformed expectations by a shit ton. Um, yep. You're seeing all sorts of anime movies in major movie chains. And mm-hmm. people are starting to realize like, oh, there is a profitable market here, not just for kids, but for right. people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s, 110s, 120s, 130s, 140s. Ooh. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. I got I got stuck in a loop. But um, no, man, you're, you're right. I think it's more popular than it's ever been. And I think also there are more great options for kids growing up in terms of localized anime that are dubbed respectfully. Um, yep. When you and I were growing up, um, for some reason – broadcasters felt the need to edit anime or add in a new score which like i i love bruce falconer's score for dragon ball z um Mm -hmm. it's actually done by a few people not just bruce falconer but yeah um and i i grew up listening to it i love it i bought the cds i literally talked to him on the phone as a kid and he did an interview with me for uh like a i think i said it was for like a school project and i just i lied like it was on my no shit. That's awesome. it was on my dbzmail.com account that I. Had. It's not good to lie. <laughs> I was like twelve though, and I'm like, "Hi, Mr. Falcon. Yeah, yeah. Here's my. I'm doing something for my school. Can I ask you some questions?" And he's like, "Sure." And like, I didn't ask him for like a scoop or something. I just wanted to know those sure. things, and I was a huge fan of his stuff. Um, that's fucking awesome. That's, I guess, but I did talk to him on the. It is. It is. It, it was, I think it was like <laughs> there was something wrong with like the order where like I accidentally ordered something that was like a pre-order or they were out out of stock and he he called the phone number on the account which was my mom's phone number and she's like michael it's uh bruce falconer and i'm like what the fuck and she was like that's so she she was like uh she asked him if he wanted to talk to me or or vice versa like because he was totally chill very nice guy though um awesome but the act of like cutting out the original score of a movie they did it mm-hmm. to my my friend Godzilla for many of his pictures. I think it's so disrespectful, dude. Like I yeah, hate I feel it. You on that. Like we yeah, we're both music guys, so like it's like ripping out part of the soul of something and like throwing in some stuffing in place. Like and right. So it pisses me off, honestly. Um, and, it doesn't serve the the artwork at all. No, and it's it's changing it. I mean, it's it's I hate when I'm not seeing like the the thing the way the artist intended for it to be seen. Um, exactly. And I know with like a, an anime, it's not just one artist who's making sure. it, but it's still overall vision. It's the overall vision. And I want to see things as their authentic presentation was in Japan when it comes to exactly. America. Um, mm-hmm. Localizing is tough, but there are companies that are doing it really well now. Whereas when we were yeah, kids, for sure. they would not know the dialogue of the original Japanese script and just like guess a lot of the time. <laughs> Shoddy work. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z had a horrible <laughs> dub at first, man. Horrible. Um, it got better over time. Um, yeah. And I love 
like the late cell arc and then the boo arc. Um, it's funny because like as an adult, I see that the storytelling goes off a cliff in the boo saga, but sure. I, I really got into the voice acting um, side of Dragon Ball Z in those two arcs arcs excuse me yeah um absolutely but you you brought up anime movies um i would like to say that my favorite anime movies are all by the director satoshi kone i don't know if you're familiar oh okay um i don't think so actually. okay so he did a movie called paprika which is like okay. a complete mind fuck um it involves dreams sorry i'm gonna type these oh, no out problem no yeah them. i'll i'll give you some recs though paprika is like okay. Before Inception, it w- it made going into people's dreams cool as hell, and it did it better than Inception. Um, oh, sick. A lot better. Sick. Yeah. I, I really love Paprika. Um, he also did one of my favorite, like, top five maybe, or top ten. Mm-hmm. It's called Perfect mm-hmm. Blue, and it's a story about okay. a, a, a pop idol who leaves her girl group and tries to make it as a solo um, actor. Like, and it's, it inspired, uh, Black Swan, a lot of people think, because it's about her, like, evil double, basically a version of herself telling her, like, you need to go back to being a pop idol. You need to, so it's not actually the inner voice, but Perfect Mm -hmm. Blue is about a pop star who she actually wants to stop being in her like vocal girl group. It's like three girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wants to be an actor and it's a movie about not just mental health and like her mm-hmm. being like fracturing mentally, but also she has an yeah. obsessed fan who is stalking her and is pissed off that she's leaving the girl group and that she is carving out this new path for her. And it's more relevant now than it's ever been with Twitter and with people being able to so easily mm. follow celebrities and talk to them every day and say, I'm mad at you for this. Or So, yeah. yeah, it's about entitlement as fans and it's about so much stuff. But yeah, those two movies are fantastic. And uh, I think also I really love the last two Dragon Ball Super movies I um, for different reasons. I, I really am happy that sure. they're... Uh, still putting out Dragon Ball stuff and that I've never talked about this in the podcast. I'll probably talk about it at my end of the year countdown, but the fact that they made yeah. a Dragon Ball super thing where Piccolo is the main character, like just makes me yes. so fucking happy. So happy. Yeah, man. And he's relevant yes, again. Like, yeah. and it doesn't seem like something that they'll just hand wave away and go, yeah, all right, he's done now. Like, it's like <laughs> Akira Toriyama, he legitimately wrote out a note that was like, I loved this movie, like, and he didn't do that for anything else they've done. He's like, I love this movie. Gohan and Piccolo are so cool in this. Like, I had so much yes. fun. And that makes me think, oh, man, we've we finally reached out to him that, like, we love characters besides Goku and Vegeta. Like, I mean, we kept speaking. I mean, even independently, I, I think we figured out later that we both felt the same way about that. But, you know, I would always complain uh, to one of my homies that watches the show a lot, too how, you know, underutilized Piccolo yes. is and, you know, he kind of got his spots taken by, you know, the appearance of Vegeta yep. and, and um, I really enjoyed Goku and Piccolo's back and forth yeah. sometimes more than Vegeta and Goku's back and forth. Oh, yeah. But I understand Vegeta has to be there from like a power perspective um, and a, and a race perspective too, I guess as a very little kind of underlying thing. Yeah. Um, so I respect that, but 
no, man, they finally listened. They finally did it. I mean, I'm sure there's other people like us, you know. Oh, Piccolo talk has about, tons like, of fans. That's the thing. Like, Yeah, like, for sure. There were a lot of people who had just given up on him being popular or being, like, relevant. And Yeah. Uh, I just – I'm excited for the next story because I hope it involves him. And I would, I would for like sure. for them to make some of the humans relevant, too, like Krillin. Um, that's the one thing I hate about yeah. superheroes. Like, they're still doing Krillin really dirty. Like – they yeah they love doing it Krillin sucks, dirty. Dude. He's like a freaking coward baby man. Like, and he <sighs> we they they he's like a butt of the joke like on purpose yes. like not even like on an accidental thing. No, and he used to be like one of the most inspiring characters. Like the the story of him keeping up through the Saiyan arc and Frieza saga. Like mm-hmm. dude was putting it all out there and was brave as hell fighting alongside Vegeta, Goku, Piccolo, Gohan, and yep. he's just like. Holding his own against these insane odds. Like, Frieza is so much stronger than him. And yet he still, like yeah, he still throws a Kienzan at his tail and slices it off. You know, it's, it's yeah. Anyway, um, what about you? What are some of your, what are some of your favorite anime movies or series? Yeah, man. I mean, DBZ was early growing up as a kid. Um, and I think a lot of that comes out of the, um, <laughs> this very boyish thing of like love of like karate oh, and like yeah. fighting and stuff, I think. And, you know, out of that comes, like, a lot of things that we used to watch as kids. And um, when Dragon Ball hit the TV uh, for us in the U.S., at least reruns for me, because I'm, you know, I'm sure I didn't catch it when it originally aired. But um, I was hooked on that. And um, and then I kind of just stumbled on a bunch of other stuff. I mean, I randomly found, like, Sailor Moon, which is, like, just kind of like a cute little, like, Eh, like action drama like anime like soft anime it's not like very like hardcore or anything like that but i thought it was funny and um and then out of that it kind of we had the emergence of um cartoon network and cartoon network kind of introduced me to like a whole swath of like kind of main more mainstream animes that were coming out at the time you know things like cowboy bebop of Mm. course and uh trigun and um Yu Hakushu, which I I love Yu Hakushu as well, um, and I kind of just developed a I I've just been developing a taste for a lot of the a lot of the content. My favorite thing that I think is really underrated about anime is that I think the reason why I really enjoy it is Japanese storytelling is different than American storytelling to me. Um, not a hundred percent different, but I feel like if not different they explore different avenues of telling a story and character arcs. And that really catches me. I I really like seeing weirder, newer ideas and things that aren't like recycled. And I feel like a lot of Japanese um, content, especially in the anime space, they come up with so, so many interesting ideas that like, you can't help, but like be, I mean, if you're a curious person, I feel like you can't help, but be curious to like, want to check out, you know, a cartoon show about hardcore cooking yeah, or like, yeah. you know, or like, um, or some type of like monster in your closet type story or like, uh, you know, there's, there, there's, there's so many like interesting ideas that come about um, in, in the anime space that like a very, very popular one. Um, uh, Death Note. I'd never seen that idea done before. Great. I've only read the manga. I've never watched the uh, anime. 
but yeah, I I'd never seen that concept. I'd, I'd, maybe it exists, but not in a mo- not in a current modern space where I'm like, oh yeah, that's just like this Death idea, Note or sucks. oh yeah, that's just like Death that. Note is so cool. Ugh. Yeah, man. I was I like, yo, that's that. such a sick idea. Yeah, yeah me too. I, <laughs> I have some stuff I need to. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think I'm more into manga than anime now, which like I never thought I would be that guy, you know. But. It's cool that you got there. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, I think just with manga, you have a better shot of getting like really iconic visuals that are like intensely shaded and super – you can feel the mangaka's uh, love poured into every page. Um, Yeah, Whereas there's some anime episodes that are not as good as other ones because it's done – we could get into the production side of it like crazy, but we won't. But um, I need to get into Chainsaw Man. Yeah, I've been hearing about this chainsaw. I'm hearing about it too. Yeah, so I'm I'm, it's whispered. Yeah, and um, I love manga that like it can go to some. I know that there's like adult comics out there that go deeper places, but yeah, for sure, manga can get like I guess any art form can get. So you know what I'm trying to say, folks. I've seen some. I've seen some really deep manga, like. Uh, Good night, Poon Poon is one. You, you, if mm-hmm. you want to get really depressed for a bit, um, mm-hmm. check it out. Um, um, another really great one is Blood on the Tracks, which is a really um, intense look at like a really disturbing family bond, and uh, something horrible happens that brings a mom and her son close together. In fact, way too close, and they have a fucked up relationship. Um, Wild. Wow. Yeah, it's creepy stuff, man. But Good night, Poon Poon is like the darkest shit i've ever read i think like it's so good and um i'm scared to read it again but i know i want to other than that um god i just there's so many manga i want to bring up uh junji ito he has horror manga that's really good like uzumaki um that's going to be made into an adult yeah it's going to be made into an adult swim series and um oh cool okay check it out uzumaki there's certain and by the way you're right that eastern storytelling traditions are different than western And one thing that I've loved in many different Asian films I've seen is like when the the genre of the film starts out really nice and then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it it gradually turns into a nightmare. Yes. I'm a big fan. I like that too. I do want to give a shout out to um, Studio Ghibli from kind of breaking into the mainstream of America as far as like getting more spotlight on his – "Quote unquote anime movies," but I feel like you know what's funny about Studio Ghibli is like Isn't I almost feel like yeah, Ghibli. Thank you. I said what did I Ghibli. say? Uh, Ghibli. Yeah, yeah. Studio Ghibli. Um, it's kind of weird, but I don't know if this is like a diss or not a diss, but I don't mean it to be. But they almost seem like their stuff is like above anime. You know, like they're above it or something. Sure. Like they're in their own like. They've almost, it's like the Disney, they've always been compared to like Disney in a way, like, um, but obviously very different, um, the way they do things. And I think they're talking about classic Disney versus like Disney, the Disney of today, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um, you know, shout out to Howl's Moving Castle and, um, Kiki's Delivery Service and, um, uh, obviously my neighbor Totoro's old classic, yeah. but, um, yeah, those, those are some really fun ones and, some uh those are like some starter pack movies i i would say yeah you're that's <laughs> for, so funny yours are like nice and then mine are like this is the most fucked up manga you're ever gonna read um no i like your shit because i want to get deeper into the space and i don't 
since I don't have the I don't have the vision to see all that, I don't know where all that stuff lives. So it's nice to kind of have somebody who knows what the fuck they're talking. I about. I'm not very good at anime, but with manga, I know a little bit. Um, I got I f- I found the one I was thinking of, which is Flowers of Evil. Yeah. Um. Nice. Yeah, okay. it's a really cool series. And then the last one I'll bring up. This one was very funny because like it was in the middle of the pandemic, and I was like, I think. I was still recovering from a bad breakup and I was like, my heart was kind of hurting. And I found this series called, I think the best translation of it is please don't bully me Nagatoro, Miss Nagatoro. Okay. And it's a series, it's been done before, but it's Mm -hmm. the series where a guy has um, a sundere, uh, which is a girl who is like making fun of him and like teasing Mm him. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I don't even know if that's yandere. I don't. I, I shouldn't say Japanese words. <laughs> I'm going to be called a weeb. <laughs> but basically, he's kind of a shy nerd. And this girl makes fun of him so much one day that he cries. And uh, <laughs> it's a bad problematic start. But sure. it becomes this heartwarming story about she talks to him the next day and says, hey, I didn't mean to make you cry. <laughs> uh, sorry, I guess. <laughs> but like, she's basically like taken an interest in him and likes him and is like pushing him to be like a better person almost or it's like yeah yeah let's, she let's becomes work, like a catalyst yeah for let's him. work out together let's do this let's go and mm-hmm. it be it starts out kind of like you know just a comedy manga but like it becomes very heartwarming because she becomes like a cheerleader for him and she helps him do yeah. stuff that he wants to do for himself too like um for become sure, a better sure. artist and um it's just a really heartwarming story and I, I was just like by the end of it I was rooting for them. And that's nice. Yeah. That's I nice. like that one. Props to the cheerleader people in the world. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I'll give a wink and a nod to a little a little series called Golden Boy. Um shout out to the kind of like adultish style co- comedic animes that are out there. Golden Boy, you um, said? That yeah, that, that's that was pretty one funny. of my yeah, that was one of my favorites when I was a teenager. But now that we've kind of uh, gone through the some of the gamut of anime, and speaking of, since we're kind of talking about some heavier things that some of the the manga that you've been reading, getting back to Mad Men itself, I have to mention that this this episode also gives me um, a decent amount of soap opera vibes. Hmm. Speaking of anime and the deepness and the storytelling and things of that nature, there's a, there's there's some this is this episode kind of feels like, you know, Mad Men trying like stepping into that space of soap opera, but without the cheese and the and and the cringe sure. that lives in soap opera. This is this is if 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 I'm a if I'm going to watch something that's in that space when it's too into this level. Um, it becomes very enjoyable. It's 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 tense. Um, there's a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces. Characters are very uncomfortable. There's a lot of drama, and um, and yeah. So, I think we should jump into a little bit of the fatherhood corner. Shall Sounds we? good to me, sir. I think also Mad Men is kind of like a high quality soap opera when you really examine yes. it. So, the highest of quality. Oh yeah, <laughs> top tier. Yes, yes, top tier soap opera. But um you know, I really liked your uh I really liked your um your nook and 
I want to, since we treaded that water, I kind of want to bring up the relationship um, between the father and mother of the Draper home Mm -hmm. and kind of what what, uh, transpired. Yeah. We talked about it, but, you know, Betty is in this headspace where she heard what Jimmy said and she's taking it to heart. And she's met with the opposition of Don deflecting and and just outright saying that, you know, it never happened. And eventually, you know, she she brings it to Don's you know doorstep and says, you know, why are you doing this? And, you know, Jimmy told me all about it. And he's you know, he just basically just gets mad. Jimmy, you believe that guy is a loudmouth, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, kind of going off the handle. And um, this is the funniest part of what's happening. And funny meaning like more like intriguing, not funny, haha. But mm-hmm. is that Don's taking this backlash from Betty with so much in so much stride that she almost drops it and then is hidden from a message of God, yeah, <laughs> given to her by the TV, winking at her, literally winked at her, yeah. <laughs> you know, from Jimmy's commercial, uh, Nuts About Uts. And um, I think Jimmy's basically kind of saying something like in the commercial, like, I wouldn't lie, you know, blah, 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 blah you know. That's a good point. I, I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather have Nuts than Nuts or Uts than, than Nuts. And the logo is a little wink. And once she sees that, it's just a sign like, shit, I got to believe what I yep. know to be true. I got to stand on that. And I can't let them squeak back in. I can't let them get away with it. You know what I mean? She's 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 scrounging and looking for evidence. She's going through the man's clothes and closet, and she's not finding anything. But with that, with that, with that uh, commercial spot, she was given the, uh, the you know the boost to say, you know what? No, I know what it is. I had a feeling. I'm gonna stand on it, and um, basically tells him not to come home. Yeah. Yeah, good point. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a wild scene. I, I love that you mentioned. He says, uh, "Why would I lie?" Or uh, I wouldn't lie, you know. Yeah, funny. there's there's a lot of those little tidbits things where he's like speaking to her through the commercial. It's fun. Makes me remember when Don's in the meeting with Heineken after the uh, party when he says, Thank you. "Why would I lie?" <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we're the ones that's who have another, to act. That's on another it. one of those. Movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, great, great discussion point for the fatherhood corner. Um, I think we should definitely note that Betty is unbelievable in the in their talk that they have where um, she is talking to Don. And at first, it's about the party and how he, he embarrassed her at the party. But there's double yep. entendres in what she's saying where she says it must be nice Tons. to be in on it. And I think she <laughs> she imagines Don and the women he's with laughing at her. And yeah, like it's a it's a it's a, a, it's a spit in the face. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That's the first time I've said making a fool without like it being comedic. So props to me, That's making a fool out of it. Props to you, buddy. Yeah, you I'm did not, it. I did it. It's it's possible. <laughs> next up, Ukrainian food. Yep, that's the next one. That's the, that's <laughs> that's the next, the next one I'll bring up without laughing. Um but <laughs> truthfully, I was very impressed even this time watching it and seeing her say like First of all, I know you're having an affair. Um, but second of all, when Don tries to trap her and say, okay, Bets, what do you know? 
Like, mm. he tries to do the classic man who's been caught thing and go, and kind of a narcissist thing too, to say, okay, tell me everything that you know, and I will make you feel like shit for each yes. one. I'll make you say, mm-hmm. so you, like, if she had been honest and said, well, I don't know anything, but he would have gone, oh, so you don't know, but you're trying to ruin this family. You know, you're trying to tear this family apart. <laughs> like, she knew what he was. She was so smart where she said, Jimmy told me everything. And that's all she had to say. And she yeah. was, she, and, and when she says, um, why? So you can pick it apart. <laughs> yeah. She knew <laughs> what he so was doing. Smart. This is so crazy. Yeah. I mean, she knows him in a way. She does. No, she knows how hard it is to be in a conversation with him about this stuff. Yes. She's, she's tried to even approach it before, but this is the first time where she's just like enough, like walking around it. I know you're having an affair. And you yeah. know what? When, when I want to credit my mom because she said when Don turned around after she said, I know you're having an affair, mm-hmm. his face is, which one is he talking about? <laughs> which one is yes. she talking about? Yes. Like, yes. Because it's true. Like, he could be thinking that about Rachel. But even back in season one, he could be thinking about um, Midge. Like, she may have caught him at any point. Yes. The that's only true. thing, that's true. the only thing Betty does that gives up her hand slightly is saying that she knows it's with Bobby Barrett. He can. I did chuckle when she said, she's so old. Oh, uh, that's. <laughs> I, f- I actually found that line kind of sad. Like, because she's kind of heartbroken that he would do it with her instead of. Oh, yeah. Like it's yeah. it's a Betty thing where she's like, "Why her? She's so old." And like, yeah, that's that's what she would step out yeah. to do that. Yeah, but it's I also, understand where the energy is coming from. But oh yeah, yeah. no, and, and she sounds so sad. So I like don't begrudge her for it. But it's kind of a yeah. But it's it's the sixties. She would say yes. that. So yeah, true, um, true. And people kind of look at it as a reflection on themselves too. Oh yeah, you know it's it's that's definitely still the case where if if you are cheated on, you think oh it's my fault. I'm a right, and if it's not someone who's like more attractive than you, right, then you would really probably say, "I'm what's wrong with me?" Like, yeah, right. like what the fuck? Like what? <laughs> to be to be clear, that's the not the right way to think about it. If someone cheats on you, it's not your fault. Like, it's their problem. Like, if they're it's right. their personality problem. And yeah, Betty is starting to realize that. But I, the reason why I brought up how strong she was is that like. It's, it shows how strong she is that she almost is ready to go back to normalcy. Like, mm-hmm. she's finally changed her clothes from the sad night before a dress. And mm-hmm. she's not happy, dude. But, like, you can see her sitting in the living room in her usual, like, glammed up appearance, looking great. Yep. And not soaking. She's she's getting ready for Don to come home, I think. You know, she's, yeah. she's they're going to be back to a functioning two-parent household and that's that they've had their talk and nothing came of it let's yeah she didn't find anything yep she was gonna go back to quote normal and right then a an angel (laughs) a black and white angel comes on the tv screen and it's divine intervention it's divine intervention (laughs) absolutely uh, as weird as it is it was yeah what an episode man it's a it's a dark one but it is we got through it just like we get through those dark manga and uh, mm-hmm. you drove it well. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, you did a great job as the, I don't know if folks noticed, but we take turns driving. And um, yeah, man, I think you'll notice that the episodes where Jala drives, we get in far fewer accidents than, <laughs> than when I drive. I don't know, I don't know about all that. <laughs> <laughs> we still hit quite a few pedestrians. Goodbye, folks. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
but no, uh, we do take turns, folks. So now that you know that, uh, hit us up with the hashtag DadMenDonCast and say, hey, it's a hey, it's a mic drive episode. I can't wait. Or hey, can mm-hmm. can Jala drive next week too? You know, just let us know about the driving. Because you know the, yeah. the old bumper sticker. How's my driving? Let me know. You know, literally same mind right now. Same mind. <laughs> <laughs> when you pod with someone for so long, eventually you start finishing each other's sentences. I mean, oh, words. That's the actual. I mean... That's the actual. <laughs> you're supposed to say sandwiches. <laughs> sandwiches. Sandwiches. All right, folks. Yeah. But next week we're going to be talking about six month leave and. Uh, it's going to be a special episode. We're going to have a special guest. Um, mm-hmm. You know him. You love him. It's going to Fan be favorite. It's going to be Joseph Rowland. Uh, you know, his episodes tend to do very well. So I'm excited for him, man. Yeah. It'll be nice to chat. We're, we're even considering, I'm going to try to manifest this. We're, we're considering having it be in person. So mm. see if at, you guys notice the difference. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they will. I think. Yeah, they will. for sure. For sure. They're going to hear us patting each other on the back for a good joke. Oh yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, elbowing and stuff. It's gonna be bad audio, but it'll be (laughs) the heart of the show will never be stronger than that moment. Exactly, you're true, you're true. All right, we will see you next week. And remember, the medium is the mama. (laughs) Adios, bye, folks. This has been a Destiny Park Media production. If you like the show, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. For more content, you can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We're going to be posting video clips of your favorite podcasts, as well as glimpses at new music. And hey, drop us a line or send any questions you might have to destinyparkmedia at gmail.com.